there, you're listening to the Park Crush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Glad that the weather has dropped a few degrees since yesterday as of recording. It was positively Florida-esque out there. How did you, how did you cope? Um, well, it was Florida-esque yesterday. It was bizarre as well because... Uh, I went to the pub for the first time. Oh, yeah. Lockdown um, is basically over for you. You've played football, you've been to the pub, you've been to the cinema yep. to watch um, Lord of the Rings. Not a bit of a throwback. Yeah. Uh, how's, it been, how's it been going? How is, how's life after lockdown? Because I, I'm still um, kind of in lockdown mode. I don't really go out unless I absolutely have to. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty good. I don't know. The, the pubs are very busy. Are they really? Um, yes. Um, luckily, uh, the tables are still pretty spaced out, so which is good. Um, so, but yeah, it seems like people are handling it fairly well. I have to say, for the most part, certainly where I've been, at least. Um, there are some weird rules, certainly around the football stuff, but that's a bit super niche so let's not go into that too much but uh yeah i think it's going well what, what about the cinema what about the cinema what was it like to see fellowship of the ring on the big screen almost big 20, screen. 20 years after it came out nearly that that was really but there was so uh there it felt like there was no one else in the cinema it was that empty right was there, um, was there less, I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think actually, I mean, this is just sums up how weird the year is, that before Fellowship of the Ring, your previous cinema visit was Bloodshot. Yeah. <laughs> which, which one of those was more empty? Um, Bloodshot was in a smaller screen. So it was yeah, probably... It was. Um, so it was probably on like an average busier for, for, for like person per seat as it were um but it's probably about the same amount of people to be fair i reckon bloodshot is actually an older film than fellowship of the ring because i've wiped much of it from memory but it did feel like a film that got made in about 2000 and then they just <laughs> forgot to release it and somebody found it on an old videotape in like whatever studio made that movie they just found it everyone was leaving like we've got to leave it's locked down we we're working from home now and as they were clearing out a filing cabinet they found this dusty old vhs and they put it in and it was this vin diesel superhero ripoff movie and they were like <laughs> should we uh should we put this out before we leave and because that, that's what it feels like to me like it's come out of some time capsule it's probably already aged worse than fellowship of the ring um, um, yes, I mean it aged worse, and it like the day it came out. So it's true, uh, but you're, you're feeling pretty good about being out there. I mean, we we were planning a, a cin another cinema trip to see Jurassic Park. Obviously, a a cautionary tale about the uh, the risks of, of of opening something that might not quite be ready for prime time, and <laughs> amid amid seemingly obvious safety worries. But uh, uh, you, you don't feel that way about the pub. Or, or the cinema? Uh, no, I guess, you know, it's quite uh, funny, I guess. Over the weeks, I've been sort of critical of the handling. It's true. Uh, of this whole thing. Uh, and now I've just, I've gone completely the other way. <laughs> just like, Sonic, theme parks, pubs, cinemas. Let's do them all. 
Yeah, fair, fair. Well, the the messaging is is quite up and down, isn't it? I feel like a couple of weeks ago it was very much well. Let's get out there, back to normal by Christmas, we hope. And now it's very much uh, uh, a cautious tone coming from the government here at the moment, which uh, is a bit it's a bit depressing to be fair. But yeah, we'll we'll just have to see how the rest of the year goes. Um, if you're going to go, if you're going to get coronavirus, I can think a few better ways to get it than while watching Lord of the Rings on the big screen. So it's true. You got that going for you at least. Uh, but yeah, there's um, we're still podcasting remotely. Obviously, we are not yet back in the same studio. I don't know if and when that will be feasible. I feel like podcasting in masks is probably not not particularly optimum so it may well be that we remain remote for uh, the foreseeable future um which yeah. is a shame josh because it means that we cannot attend the public consultation events for the london resort oh yeah incredible i mean as uh, the foremost authority on Kent theme parks being what may well be the only Kent-based theme park podcast in the world. I don't know any of. I don't know of any other ones. I don't know if you do. <laughs> Not off the top of my head. <laughs> so uh, we 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 kind of we're kind of in our element here. I think we talked about it on our first ever episode because it would have been rude not to. I think we've done a couple of episodes about it over the last. 18 months or however long we've been doing this godforsaken podcast but uh, <laughs> arguably josh the biggest news and the biggest update the biggest progress piece of progress uh, regarding this project uh, certainly since we've been doing the podcast arguably since the whole thing was announced in some ways because it feels like it's been setback after setback for the london resort and now all of a sudden it does feel like it's moving forward whether or not it will get much further than this we'll have to wait and see but they have taken a step forward i guess we should i guess we should do a very brief background on this just for people who may not be totally aware so the London Resort, a uh, big sort of theme park, and, and do chime in if I get any of this wrong, but a big theme park, sort of entertainment resort. It, it was long, uh, you know, uh, the, the SEO headlines for all the newspapers here were very keen to describe it as the uh, UK's answer to Disneyland Paris. Uh, yes. It was being planned for North Kent, which just so happens to be where we live. And uh, originally it was Yeah, we're being... probably the closest podcast to this that potential theme park. I, th I think you're probably right, actually. Yes. Uh, I can't imagine that there are other Kent-based theme park podcasts around. And even if they are, I, they probably aren't as close to this project as we are. Um just so happens as well i've mentioned on the show before that i used to work for the local newspaper here so uh, this was a big part of my sort of brief for two years as well so um, yeah well, i mean we were covering this on different podcasts before we even started a theme park podcast that's true <laughs> <laughs> various uh stupid podcasts less niche than this one our podcasts over the years have definitely become increasingly niche yeah. Uh, but yes, this did come up on previous projects of ours. But it, yeah, it was originally known as London Paramount. It was, uh, you know, the basis of it was a licensing deal with Paramount. And, uh, you know, so 
rides based on things like Mission Impossible and Star Trek were being mooted early on, but there were also separate deals signed with uh, the BBC and ITV, among others, which would give you access to Aardman Animation as well. So that would have given them access to things like Doctor Who and Wallace and Gromit and things like that. And a lot of the sort of popular talent shows here, like Britain's Got Talent and X Factor and those kinds of things. So it seemed like a pretty impressive portfolio of IP that they were building up that they would be able to use in this park, which also was going to have hotels and an entertainment district and a water park and all sorts of things. And you go back and look at the concept art from the time, which is sort of 2012, 2013, and it all looks very impressive indeed. But then it kind of just kind of muddled along, people dropping out in terms of like executives and things like that, financial backers backing out, Paramount eventually backing out, which seemed like it would be the death knell. Lots of opposition from local businesses, local residents about the impact it would have on uh, local industry and, uh, you know, roads around here and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, slightly more petty concerns people had, like calling it the London Resort when it's not even in London, it's in Kent. And it's like, yeah, but no one coming from outside will care about the yeah. Kent Resort, to be brutally honest. As someone who lives in Kent, uh, that that always seemed a bit petty to me. Uh, As we hear, fair here, the Luton Airport is called London Luton. That's true. Uh, also London South End Airport, I believe. Yes. Uh, neither of those places are in London. They're even less close to London than this is. Um, yeah. You know, you could feasibly, I mean, I think actually I will get onto it, but part of the sort of pitch for this is that this will be very easy to get to from London um, coming over the River Thames, either by yeah. ferry or by train. So You could cycle from Greater London for, with uh, very little effort. It's true. To this park. Will they divert the cable car from the O2, though? Will you be able to get that thing? Oh, that's, be, that's the dream. That would be cool. Uh, very niche as well, but I, one of my other... Uh, uh, sort of one of the other ongoing stories I used to do with the local paper was this tram project, uh, the Kenex tram. Yep. This is probably the most exposure in a public, uh, <laughs> on a public broadcast that that has been given since I left the paper. But uh, that was going to link Kent and Essex. And, was that uh, the, and what, the Lakeside Blue to London Resort tram? Yeah, yeah. They, they were definitely trying to... Um, uh, tie themselves to uh, the London Resort and also to other sort of uh, major attractions around here, such as Blue Water Shopping Centre. Um, and, and Lakeside Shopping Centre. And Lakeside Center. Shopping Centre as well. So, yeah. The, the highlights of <laughs> North Kent and South Essex. <laughs> yeah, uh, which says a lot, but oh well. Um, and then I think Aldman dropped out and BBC dropped out and it all seemed like it was going to be a total mess and in the last couple of years it's kind of picked up again they've got some new sort of executive uh, executive people uh, have been brought in to kind of uh, give it a bit, a bit of a kick up the backside Paramount have come back on board which was a big one although uh, the name uh, hasn't um, they haven't regained the naming rights it's still going by the London Resort. And I think, you know, the, the focus has shifted a little bit away from it being a pure kind of theme park, traditional theme park destination, and they're talking a little bit more about, um, like, eSports and kind of, like, VR stuff and and also um, maybe making it a little bit less 
uh, reliant on traditional theme park attractions like rides and roller coasters and and having stuff that can maybe accommodate uh, a more modest budget maybe you could come to this place and and spend less money and not go to the theme park per se and still have stuff to do so um yeah, yeah it's picked up again a little bit over the last few years and now they've they've gone they've they've started their public consultation their, their latest pub, public consultation probably the most significant one um and the one that they hope will will see them uh, be able to move on and submit their actual planning uh, application, which uh, would need to be signed off at a uh, national government level, given the scale of the project. Um, and they are targeting an opening, I think, is it 2024 at this point? 2024, yeah. 11 years after it was pitched, or maybe 12 years after it was pitched, so... Yeah, um, that's kind of your broad overview. So let's get into what they've come up with this week then in terms of this public consultation. So obviously uh, it's uh, it's all happening online because people can't go out and, and gather in, a, in an indoor uh, sort of public conference setting at the moment. Um, but Josh, you've done lots of reading and have. Uh, have compiled 794 pages of notes. Yes. So we could be here for a while, but let's get cracking then. Um, Josh, what's going on with the London Resort? Uh, first of all, I think it's pretty important to say that this is kind of weird, this whole thing. Um, they what set up a virtual consultation room. Oh, right, yeah. Um, which is like a virtual space, uh, and there are fake people in it just kind of milling around yeah, some like of them are looking at like old FIFA character models you know like bad video game <laughs> it looks like something that should be explorable in VR yes which is actually kind of cool it would be um, and you kind of you quote unquote walk into the room uh, and you're greeted with a greeting from the man himself Mr. CEO Pai Jabot. Pai Jabot, who, who who joined the project like relatively recently, I think, in like the last year or two. Uh, twenty nineteen, yeah. Yeah. Um. So and so, I think we've mentioned it before, but he, um, worked on Euro Disney, uh, and the Millennium Dome, now the O2 project. Mm. Um, when that first opened around the turn of the millennium, um. So he's done some fairly major projects, so it's quite a big name, actually, to get on board. Uh, and I think it certainly seems to have righted the ship in in some regard. Yeah. Um, and, he, you know, he's sitting there at his desk in his uh, home office with his little London Resort pin badge on. I know. Uh, with his blazer on as well. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like a, it's it's a fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> What, how um, many of your yeah. Disney pins would you trade for his London Resort pin? Um, I don't have any Disney pins. You don't have any Disney pins? No. Are you kidding me? Pin Pins and pin trading has not really particularly been a thing of mine. I've, I've not done any pin trading, but I, do, I mean, in the, when I was a kid, I, I got at least a couple of pins each holiday. And um, I, I, it slowed down. Like the last few years, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't added to my collection really. But I do have enough to have a little, um, like a ring binder that, like Disney sell various, um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, oh God, 
uh, various ways in which you can display or, uh, or, or you know, keep your pins in good condition. They, they do like briefcase looking things where you can pin them inside that or like lanyards. And I've got a little ring binder mm. that you, you pin them onto each page. So I've got one of those. I've got enough to warrant having one of those. I think I've probably got more okay. universal ones than Disney ones, to be honest. The only ones we have are from when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was running uh, and my dad was on it. He got a pin badge for every round that he got through. Oh, that's quite cool. Yeah, so up to 32,000, 64,000, something like that. Yeah. Oh, nice. Where are those? Are they framed? Uh, <laughs> they're just like in a cupboard somewhere. Ah, uh, yeah. fair enough. Um, I do have scrapbooks from our holidays, though. So I have... Um, I, so I wasn't on pins, but I was on pressed pennies. Oh, yeah. So I have thousands of the buggers. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Basically, any holiday that I went on, if there was a pressed penny machine, I was getting a pressed penny. After the pandemic and Brexit, they'll probably take those in, like, Tesco. <laughs> <laughs> they might be worth more. <laughs> yeah, they probably are. Um but uh but yeah um Pajabo and his pin badge talking talking you through giving you an introduction welcoming you to the public consultation correct yes yeah um it's pretty cool um probably and it's kind of it's on this like kind of tv in this weird room uh there's a mac in here as well yes um but yeah, it's good to. It's kind of cool to have this, you know, this introduction from Pi. Um, kind of gives you that feeling of how you kind of want it to be. If it was a real thing that was happening in front of you. Yeah, and then um, you can sort of click around the rest of the room. Now this is, I'm in my. I'd be in my element here. I've been in many rooms like this during my local paper days for. Uh, project seeking planning permission uh, none, none as exciting as a, as a big theme park resort it's normally things like uh, a road or oh, uh, oh. A, an expansion to a shop or something or a housing estate but um but this uh, yeah plenty of billboards up and right. up in in this room explaining the various this stages has all of those tom Sorry, this project has all of those. It it does. It has all of that and more. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's quite. I mean, the the first one is the story so far, which is just puts into context how long this has been going on for, really. So, uh, I, I I'm convinced this was initially announced in 2012, but it, according to this, it wasn't till 2013 that it was, or or even early 2014 that it it was granted nationally significant infrastructure project status. Uh, 2014. That was ages ago, Josh. Think about Our the state, state of the world in 2014. At I, I mean, I didn't care. I was at university. At university, the world seemed like in a fairly stable place. Little did we yeah. know. <laughs> um, the amount of things that have happened throughout this project is kind of mad. Um, yeah. For this to, to not happen would be understandable, I feel. It's true. I mean, you, if if somehow, despite everything that's happened and and the uncertainty of the future, if somehow the London Resort is the only sort of, if the London Resort makes it through this, that would maybe be the most unlikely story. Like, forget the uh, host of The Apprentice becoming president. Uh, forget a global pandemic. I think the most sort of 
get out of town story would in fact be the London resort has actually opened. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, yeah, but, I'm still yeah. I'm still hedging my bets on it just becoming a housing estate. To be honest, that's that's probably still where the safe money is. I would say. Um, of course, no one will be able to afford any of the houses. They'll just be empty. No. Apart from you, of yes. course, with your pressed coins. Of course, yes. Um, but yeah, um, k- k- t- take me through it, Josh. You've 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 been through all these. Uh, I mean, because it's not just this virtual consultation room. There's also a lot of. Do- I mean, as someone who, as I keep saying, um, spent plenty of time reading through planning documents and things uh, in a former life. Um, this has got lots of that. This is very comprehensive. Uh, there's a green infrastructure study. There's uh, a habitat yep. survey. Uh, there's local parking restrictions. There's a strategic highway network. There are various drafts of the master plan. There's water and flooding documents, marine ecology. Um, I assume you haven't read all of this stuff (laughs) no so I still need to go deep dive into all of that stuff all of the proper planning documents well I probably will anyway fair enough Um, but I have done I have walked around the virtual room um, I've read the kind of overview documentation Mm. um, and I've kind of I've got down the main points that I feel will be uh, kind of important and kind of interesting for people to hear about yeah, um, sure. It's kind of the size of the project and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, first of all, there's the, one of the first screens you come to is the Our Vision screen. Um, and they describe it as, and I quote, a step change in leisure and entertainment in the UK. Okay. Um, yeah, so they, they really think they're going to, you know, <laughs> take it up a gear in co- comparison to other, I guess, theme parks in the country. Um, yeah, which are all well, they're all sort of Merlin, really, aren't they? Like Merlin, very much. Well, the three, the three the industry, most yeah. famous ones, um, I guess, internationally are Merlin, uh, Blackpool. Obviously, you've got is quite a good one. Um, yeah, you have some others around the country as well. There's one in Wales which has a really good woody that I can never remember the name of the park or the ride, um, but it's highly regarded as an excellent woody. Um, and there's, you know, as I said, there's other parks around the park, around the country, but the Merlin ones are kind of considered the, the gold standard of UK theme parks right now. Yes. Um, so to take away that crown, I think, is uh, would be interesting to see. And hopefully, you know, it does happen and it raises the game of the Merlin parks as well. Mm. It will be interesting to sort of find out. Uh, if this comes to fruition, just how much having this, uh, having the access to all this IP is able to elevate the park, you know, how, how much the IP uh, does for it. Because, you know, Alton Towers and Thorpe Park have got some great rides, Alton Towers, especially on the roller coaster front. But, you know, you spoke on the trip reports we just did recently about how, you know, theming isn't necessarily there, either of their strong strong points um i think there's definitely a gap in the market here in the uk for a theme park um that does tap in more to that sense of real escapism and 
sort of really making you feel like you're in a completely sort of otherworldly place, whether whether yeah. directly inspired by a piece of entertainment or media that you're already familiar with or something new or some amalgamation of something familiar and something unfamiliar in that same way that Disneyland and Universal Parks in other parts of the world do that. We don't really have something of that uh, quality here, I guess. So I guess, I guess that is where this has the potential to stand out among other UK parks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess, you know, as we mentioned previously, this has been described, you know, the big SEO phrasing is the Disneyland Paris of the UK or of Kent, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Swanscombe. Swanscombe, yes. Uh having a look at all of these documentations uh, all of the documentation available it very much is on that level it's quite impressive actually um no uk theme park comes anywhere near to the level of change that they're planning to do uh for this theme park it's quite impressive because it's two theme parks right they're planning now yes two theme parks um, the first one, first gate will open in 2024. The second one in 2029. Um, a water park as well, which so is it's... an indoor water park. Oh, so we got. Well, what do you think they're going to be? The, the Swan Swanscombe Studios, the uh, <laughs> Island of Swanscombes, and uh, Swanscombe Bay. Um. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Great names all around. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm sure you can see what I did there. Yes. Uh, but because um, yeah, it's. I'm sure because when they first announced it, as we said, it was theme park, water park, and then when we talked about it last year uh, in relation to this interview that Pajabo gave to some sort of trade magazine, he seemed to be kind of managing expectations a little bit and making it sound like it would be far smaller scale and now all of a sudden it's arguably even grander than the original plan uh yeah it does seem that way um i think you know you've got to temper expectations right if you go out and say it's gonna be amazing and then it's not then it's a bit underwhelming but if you go out and say hey it's not gonna be as big as disneyland then it and then it turns out it is, then that's, you know, you get a bigger buzz that way. Yes, I guess so. Um, not only are the, we're going to have those two theme parks and the water park, uh, we're going to get an entertainment venue, an esports venue, a conferential centre, which is a conference and convention centre, uh -huh. um, hotels, retail, and dining. Um, all loads of landscaping as well going on, much like you do see at Disneyland. So, have they actually coined the term conf? What did you call it? Confront, confront, confrontation center. Confrontation center. That just sounds like somewhere you'd meet up for a fight. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not a fan of that. Behind the Beckets. <laughs> that is the most niche of local <laughs> reference that you could possibly have offered. But yes, that's exactly what I mean. Um, and all of that is going to be over a 465 hectares worth of land, um, which is quite a lot. But also included in that is uh, some undeveloped land, which is going to keep be kept as marshes, um, and also okay. dedicated access off of the A2. Which 
which is the the like, iDrive of North Kent. <laughs> the uh, the i four, I guess. Yeah. Um, this is very much so. If you you go to Disney World through the arches, yeah, uh, we are getting that same road, as it were. Right. Okay. Um, what colour will uh, the lampposts be, though? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. And who will be uh, so at Disney World when you go through the archway? You've got you've got Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy, right, on the flanking the the archway that tells you you're in the resort essentially. Who yeah. who's on this one? Is it is it is, is Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible? Um, Tom uh, Cruise, Doctor, Doctor Who, Who, Wallace and Gromit, Bond, James Bond. That's a good shout. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, you wouldn't cool. have Tom Cruise, would you? You'd, you'd, you'd have you'd have James Bond, you'd have Wallace and Gromit, you'd have Doctor Who, and uh, Peggy from EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> Peggy, of all people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, Mick, Mick, um, what's his name? Uh, Danny Dyer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that would be. Good. <laughs> I'd go I'm, to really, the theme I'm looking park. forward to the uh, Danny Dyer lookalikes bowling around the park. <laughs> yeah, that was that would be great. I'm really on board with this all of a sudden. This sounds fantastic. Um, yeah, I've, I've so I've been looking at so I guess starting off from where you come into the park or into the land uh, is uh, we know this junction already as the Ebbsfleet International Junction on the A2. Um, right. So yeah. Ebbsfleet International, for those that don't know, is uh, a train station where the Eurostar passes through and also High Speed One. Yeah. Uh, this new road that's coming off the A2 is an up to four lane road. Um, comes straight off, has direct access straight from the A2 straight into this dedicated road. So it, uh, is diverted away from local traffic. Um, runs alongside uh, the train line that is the HS1 Eurostar line straight into the car park area. The car park is going to be 10,000 spaces. That's a lot of spaces. Yeah, um, I'll get on to numbers of people a bit later on, but yeah. And ju- um, just, just for, sorry, just for uh, reference for people, the High Speed 1 train will get you from Ebbsfleet this train station to London in about 20 minutes, which is as quick as you're going to get into central London uh, from this yeah. part of town. Um, um, I think if you get the, the fast train, you can get into London in 17 minutes. I believe that is correct, yes. That is yeah. as quick as it will get you in, yeah. Yeah. Um, not only that, so that's on the south side of the river. On the north side of the river, there is another two, 29.5 hectares of land that they're going to... Uh, have another car park um, which is going to have uh, also have dedicated access and then from there you can get a ferry across the river to a ferry port on uh, the south side so by the theme parks and this is at Tilbury in uh, Tilbury Tilbury, uh, there was a power station there which has been demolished so uh, potentially um you know, some some extra extra space waiting to be used um, over yeah, at the, do- I think over a, where the docks are. There is a grade two, grade two listed building over there, mm. so they're going to repurpose that and right. modernise it um, to try and keep some of the tr- like obviously it's grade two listed, so it'd be cool to 
you know reuse that for its theming which would be quite cool um they're in in addition to that they're adding um additional landing for the thames clipper which is soon to be called the uber boats i think in a sponsorship deal really yes that's crazy Um, because uber i mean i think it's widely expected that it will it will um get it back but uber has it's kind of in this limbo in london at the moment in terms of its license because of safety concerns i think there's you know there's a bit of politics going on i think as i say ultimately it will get its license back and i think at the moment though technically it's kind of in this weird limbo where the license has been taken away but it's still kind of in effect at the moment so it's interesting that they yeah. just, the, 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 the the thames clipper boat which again people that don't know uh, can take you as far out as kent part of part of north kent uh, yeah, into Graves london end, right? yeah gravesend uh on on a little uh clipper boat which is quite nice um, yeah it's it's um nice journey in it's, it's quite not a nice journey yeah it's not very uh uh, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a hurry, it's it's not the most time efficient way of getting into town, but it's it's nice. No, uh, maybe uh, they will get. It doesn't say on the documentation, but maybe there will be a direct line straight to the theme park from central London. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, that's um, a good shout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not only that, but the local fast track bus network. Um, so which goes, I think, from Dartford all the way to Gravesend currently. Yes. Um, that will get uh, additional support here as well. Makes sense, makes sense. Um, they're also putting in brand new footpaths and cycle paths so that people can commute that way to the to the location. Um, uh, and on top, on top of that, they're adding secure bicycle parking to try and get people to cycle there. Uh, and obviously, naturally, you'll get disabled parking at the place as well, as well as motorbike parking. Uh, they've got also they've uh, described something as a uh, dedicated people mover. Um, unfortunately, not like the people mover at Disney. Oh, that's disappointing. They should get the same yeah. guy to do the voiceover, though. Um, I I have a feeling it will be. Um, I think it actually says somewhere, but it will be an uh, a bus. <laughs> Right, because it, this people mover takes you from Eversleet International um, through to the main hub by the theme park, and then continues on to um, the uh, ferry terminal. So obviously, on the, river. the uh, you know you think of like the transportation methods at Disney. You've got the guy who kind of speaks like this, and then you've got the guy at Universal who'll talk to you on the uh, when you're on the moving walkways heading into City Walk from the car park. They've, they've both got quite similar vibes to their voice, actually. Um, if you could pick anyone to be like the voice of the transportation uh, and like the safety announcements and things like that, who would it be? Um, I, I have a, uh, a, I'm a big fan of the monorail guy. Uh, the monorail guy. You have to remind me. What does he sound like? Um, I I can't I can't really do an impression. Danny but he Dyer also does it again. In, he also he... does it in spec. Oh, oi, mate! <laughs> don't lean out the window. Brian Blessed. And don't lean on the doors. <clears throat> Brian Attention, Blessed. Poor for four. Yeah, I, I could get behind that. That would be pretty fun. <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, like the roads around here are notoriously bad. Um, yes. For traffic, uh, you know that that has been one of the uh, the perks of the pandemic, if you like, is being able to drive around this area relatively carefree. But normally, it's a, just a nightmare, especially uh, around sort of rush hour times. It's, I mean, you know, you think of Florida, for example, and and generally speaking, how, I mean, as someone who's been there now like 20 odd times only ever in like two to three week stints so you know i'm sure if you're going to downtown orlando and places like that you'll you'll run into plenty of traffic but by and large it's fairly i don't recall getting ever getting stuck in like particularly bad traffic jams whilst scooting around between various theme parks and and getting around um, uh yeah if you get unlucky and there's an accident on the i4 then of maybe course. Yeah, but the, the but. problem around here is that one accident can can cause absolute carnage for miles yeah. around just because the way the way in which the road network is designed around here and how it's it is basically a domino effect. You know, you can have an accident in this at this crucial juncture near crossing which at the moment is the only direct route really between kent and essex if there's a problem there then you get obviously huge backlog there that spills out onto the a2 and then you'll end up with people trying to get around that by going through dartford town and going through back channels and then they'll all get jammed and it's just a total nightmare like air pollution in these parts is uh famously awful because so often you'll end up with just basically enormous car parks because people aren't moving anywhere on the roads so yes um arguably the number one priority if this thing's going to really move um is sorting out the road infrastructure because in its current state it's just not fit for purpose i know there are projects beyond this that are you know in the works to improve things on that front but uh, yeah it needs to be a lot better than it yeah. is now for this to be a feasible a feasible day uh, out yeah, for people I, I think so but i think uh, you know so they're thinking that maybe up to 15% of visitors will use uh, the Thames Clipper to get to the park um they also think that um because a lot of international tourists uh, don't like when they stay in london they obviously don't have a car so it's true. they'll come by train <laughs> Yeah. Um, and also, I think having a dedicated car park on the north side of the river so you don't have to come across the Dartford Crossing uh, will be quite integral to smoothing out the traffic situations there. Yes, that's true. Um, and I mean, I will be more than happy to cycle if there are good cycle routes into the theme park. Um, I think that'd be a great way to get to and from the theme park as a local resident. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, it sounds like you're still planning to be living at home by here by then, Josh. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, bring on the Brexit housing price crash. Yeah. Finally can move out. Um, um, what else have I got here? Uh, so they've kind of changed their plans uh, to be more environmentally and like ecologically friendlier. Right. Uh, which is why a lot of the land will stay undeveloped. So there are three main marshes, uh, which are the Black Duck Marsh, the Botany Marshes, and the 
uh, Broadness Salt Marsh. Um, so they'll all be un- undeveloped. Uh, they'll have like sort of walk walking paths that you can walk through and uh, take in the scenery, etc., etc. So it'd be quite nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're kind, of, they're kind of trying to also improve the kind of free elements of the area. Mm. Um, so that you can walk around and that sort of thing. Uh, they're also going to uh, be doing this sort of habitat compensation system that you see Disney doing a lot, where uh, where they do more development on a certain bit of land, they then have to buy more land elsewhere to offset their development. Right. They have to buy, buy more land that then will not get developed upon, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. See, sure. Yeah. Um, and they're also um, doing enhancements to Pilgrim's Way, which I guess is a quite a major walkway through there. Um, yeah. So that'd be quite cool to see. Yeah. Um, the other kind of main highlights, certainly for local air, uh, local people, uh, they reckon eight point seven thousand skilled or semi-skilled staff will be employed by twenty twenty-five across the okay. whole property. Um, with that rising to 17,000 by 2038. That's a lot of stuff. Yes, uh, for sure. And 60% will be locals, they they hope. Well, yes, especially after Brexit. No. Yes. We're going to lose all yeah. our EU workforce. <laughs> um, on top of that, they're adding 500 dwellings for st- staff, which I guess will be uh, mainly for... Uh, acting staff, I would imagine, you know, uh, skilled staff that will have to come from elsewhere because they have to be trained in the arts or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me see. I've got got some other stuff here. Um, they think that. When the gate one opens, so 2024, 2025, they'll get 6.5 million guests per year. That's a fair number of guests. Yes, uh, and they reckon that will go up to 13.5 million per year by 2038. Okay. Are these number of guests Uh, at London Resort or is this our annual trade income after Brexit? Uh, that's so that's guests for the whole uh, resort. So that's including so that's the theme parks, the water park, shopping, dining, everything. Yeah. Uh, if um, yeah. Sorry, guys. They also think that by twenty twenty nine they'll be getting thirty six thousand visitors per day to the complex. By twenty. So by the time the second park's open. Yes. Right. So obviously, with them, they expect that to go up after the second gate is open. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's worth, I think, maybe worth reminding people. I think we've spoken about this on the podcast before, but as, at least as far as kind of the first park is concerned, they have previously kind of put out this uh, like map overview of what they foresee the, the themed lands being. Um, You've got the studio, the woods, the kingdom, the isles, the jungle, Starport, and High Street. Um, 
which I think by the time this opens will just be boarded up and the Amazon <laughs> delivery drivers going up and down it. Uh, but I mean, the rest of that, you know, it's obviously very, it sounds very generic, but, you know, as you get closer to the time um, and they are, you know, there's more clarity on exactly what kind of properties they'll be using from all the various licensing agreements that they've signed, they may end up being like renamed and, and rethemed to something more specific to different properties uh, or what yeah. have you. So I wouldn't put too much stock in those names right now, but uh, yeah, at least it gives you sort of some indication, some idea of, uh, of, of the variety that they're going for at least. Yeah, for sure. Um, and on top of that, so obviously we've seen that sort of map and then you have the kind of larger master plan map that is on there on the consultation website, um, which kind of outlines the main roads in and out and uh, this sort of uh, people mover road uh, and all of the different sort of areas. So the market, the plaza, uh, the hotels, uh, the marshes, the new footpaths, that sort of stuff. Four hotels as well, right? Uh, yeah, different sort of different locations, sort of split kind of throughout the uh, main people mover road. Yeah, three premier inns and a B and B. B and B. Oh, you've got to have a B and B, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. Um, and then something we did talk about uh, last time we did this when I think Pajabo was trying to kind of downplay expectations a little bit and talk a little bit how this park would not necessarily be, re be relying so much on big e-ticket rides in the same way that a Disney park or a Universal park would do. But he did talk a lot about e-sports and virtual reality and that kind of thing. And, and that those things are mentioned in, this, in these consultation documents. Yeah. But... I do think I do overall get the vibe that this does sound like like you said earlier he was maybe trying to manage expectations this time last year because ultimately if you go on like the London Resort Facebook page for example which I've just been having a look at um, a lot of the reaction to each post that they put up are like the crying laughter emoji and people still very much approaching it with the attitude of like ha this is never gonna happen I remember hearing about <laughs> this when I was at school and now I've got three kids and it's so they there's like a real sense of um of like doubt and skepticism that they have to overcome which is why I think maybe that taking a slightly more uh um yeah, man that managing expectations uh, approach is is maybe is maybe a sensible one at this stage. But yeah, the, if you if you do deep dive a little bit deeper into the consultation, then yeah, you do. There, there is, I think, still a, a sense of of scope to this that was that was there originally, um, that maybe we thought had been lost, but apparently has not. There's um, mm. there's still a lot to it. It would seem. Yeah, uh, I mean, they still they do mention in the uh, in this new consultation that stuff will have continually changing theming. It's going to be designed so that the theming can be continually changing to be kept up to date. Um, right. Yeah. Obviously, I don't know to what extent that'll be. You know, hopefully, if there's a Doctor Who ride, then hopefully they will change out the Doctor each time there is a new Doctor. Yeah. Sure. Um, that makes sense. That'd be quite cool. Um, things like that would be yeah i think would be but they they and they want to keep make sure that the content is always feeling fresh yeah 
Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that's um, key, right? I mean, to maintain interest and visitor numbers, you, you do need to be able to, to freshen things up um, as often yeah, as you can, sure. really, to reflect you know, society and what's interesting to people in terms of entertainment. Um, some of the other kind of, you know, slightly more back of house infrastructure stuff that they talk about, are up to 500 apartments for employees. Uh, so they won't yep. force everyone to sleep in their cars like Disney. Oh, oh sick bird. Uh, don't come after me, Mickey's lawyers. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to this. Like this, as I said at the top, does feel like the most significant step forward that they've made for quite a number of years. Uh, and the consultation is going to be running for about uh, four or five weeks. Correct? So, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, need to get your... Um, is it end of September? I think it is. Or the beginning of September, sorry. Uh, right. 21st of September. Important. Submit your consultation result by 11.59 on the 21st of September. Cool. And that's uh, londonresort.info slash consultation um yes there's obviously the virtual exhibition that you talked about went a bit sean connery there exhibition Exhibition. Uh, there's that uh which you can check out um but there's also going to be public webinar events uh which are going to be held every few days until uh early september uh there's a schedule on the website Uh that i just gave uh, where members of the team will kind of live uh, be able to show you stuff and talk you through things um, you do have to kind of register your interest in a certain time slot to attend those. Um, but they're also saying that you can email them, phone them up, telephone surgeries, those kinds of things. If you want to kind of talk to people post them. Uh, on your own time. Uh, post, yes. Uh, post, still a thing. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Josh, are you going to get in touch? You're going to send them your thoughts? Uh, I might do. I think I'm going to definitely catch on one of these webinars, that's for sure. Yeah, that would make sense, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, I might try and catch uh, today's one. But Yeah. Actually, we, we, may, this, we may just make it. We may just make it. Um, uh, we are winding down here. Uh, there is a lot of London Resort stuff uh, to get through, uh, but we've done it, I think. Uh, I, I would encourage yeah, anyone we'll who would interest in Corsica to check out that website. Um but just briefly, Josh, in other major theme park news. Now, what would you say, what would you have said to me if a few weeks or months ago I'd have said to you, I think the London Resort will open before Universal's Epic Universe? What would you have said to me? What? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, obviously, Epic Universe was announced last year. Oh, God. Was it last year or was it early this year? I can't remember. Uh, oh, God. It was last year, Time wasn't is- it? Time is a mess now. Time to be is fair. time is broken, but um, that was originally announced for 2023. Then the coronavirus happened, and it was kind of put on indefinite hold. Then um, Alicia Stella of Park Stop uh, Podcast fame, who is uh, renowned for her inside information about the Universal Florida parks specifically, um, said she had heard that. Uh, there had been discussions about whether or not the project might have to be cancelled. Um, she has since kind of clarified that and said, you know, I have no independent confirmation of that. Uh, but as far as she's concerned, she's willing to sort of suggest that it's 
on indefinite hold, which would suggest they're taking very much a wait and see approach. I think like Comcast, obviously being the parent company, their results for the second quarter of the year have been like all things considered okay, but the theme park revenues have obviously fallen off a cliff. Um, there have been some numbers going around about their you know, revenues in this quarter compared to the same quarter last year, and it's absolutely insane. So um, I guess it should come as no surprise. Um, I mean, just briefly, Josh, what would do you do? You expect it to still happen, and what would your response be if it ended up being cancelled? Oh, um, I actually part of me thinks it was not going to happen now, mm. um, which would be a shame. I think. Um, I hope it does, obviously. I think it'd be a shame if it doesn't. Uh, I think it'd be kind of a waste of money, a lot of money uh, that they've already sunk into this thing. Um, but obviously it's still going to save them a lot of money in the long run if they cancel. Um, and you've got to hope that maybe the they decide to move the Mario area or the, yeah, the Nintendo area into... Uh, the Universal Studios, like the original, or one of the rumored plans was previously. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I said to you yesterday that it's unthinkable to me that, regardless of whether or not Epic Universe happens, it's unthinkable to me that the Nintendo stuff that they've gone all, to all the effort of, of getting the rights to and, and designing, and obviously in the case of Japan, actually building, um, and they've started as well in Hollywood. It's unthinkable to me that that wouldn't come to Florida in some form. So if Epic Universe was not to happen, then surely they would repurpose whatever those plans are and and bring it into one of the two existing parks, whether uh, whether that's at one of them or they maybe sp spread it across two. Uh, you know, I think the original plan was for it to replace Kid Zone. Then, of course, it got bumped and 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 became part of Epic Universe. But even with that, of course, we've spoken before about longer-term rumours that whilst the main Super Nintendo world would be at Epic Universe, there have been murmurings that other Nintendo properties could find a home at the existing two parks. You know, Zelda for Lost Continent has been mooted before. So, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't... I, I think if Epic Universe doesn't happen, they will they will still get Nintendo into Florida parks in some form. They they have to. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, that would really suck and be kind of a kind of a reality check i suppose for the the industry at large uh, in terms of the impact of the coronavirus because um you know as, uh, a lot of projects that have, i think are long enough down the track that are, are going to get finished you know like the the jurassic park coaster despite not actually being announced yet is the obvious one you see new pictures of that every week that shows it's coming along pretty well but yeah the stuff that's longer term we got some hint of it with the epcot news last week but this would obviously be the biggest uh, setback yeah, for sure um uh, it's, it's announced... kind of mental to think that uh you know epcot rollback uh epic universe rollback and yet somehow we keep on trucking over here in Plucky old blighty. <laughs> well, I hear it's going to be world-leading, world-beating, Josh, the London Resort. Yes. Um, well, they're, they're going to beat them to the uh, opening, at least. Well, can you imagine? <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> uh, 
and just a, another brief aside on universe. I mean, the epic universe discussion may be one for another week as well, in uh, kind of a, a, a grander scale. But um, but also just on the topic of universal um, closing slash cancelling things potentially is they have temporarily closed some rides at Universal Orlando uh, from August 9th. The following will be shut. Uh, with no reopening date in sight at the moment. A day in the park with Barney, which I'd, I'd be devastated if that went. Got a what? great home video of me having an absolutely great time dancing along at that thing. Uh, Fast and the Furious Supercharged. Uh, Kang and Kodo's Twirl and Hurl, which is the Dumbo-like in Springfield. Uh, oh, Fear, yes. Fa- Fear Factor Live, which I'm surprised hadn't shot anyway. Uh, Poseidon's Fury <laughs> and Stormforce Accelotron. Uh, team members who work on those rides will be assigned to other positions. This also coincides with more layoffs at Universal Orlando. So, um, yeah, that that is probably, I mean, these are clearly some of the less popular, less well thought of attractions, but equally um, their closures temporarily or not will no doubt be tied to those layoffs, which means that, you know, as I say, team members being reassigned to other places. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do have a statement here from Universal about the layoffs. Uh, we have again made the difficult, because of course they had already laid off people, so these are additional layoffs. Uh, we have again made the difficult decision to reduce our workforce to reflect current priorities and needs. As always, we are aware of the impact this will have on those affected by this decision and their families. We are grateful for their contribution and we will support them through this process with severance pay, subsidized health benefits and re-employment assistance. We continue to have confidence in the long-term future of our business, our industry and our community. Um, yeah, but uh, as I say, revenue is tanked at their theme parks. Guest satisfaction is apparently way up. So um, reflective of what Adrian from Theme Park Express told us a few weeks ago when he was on, um, people seem fairly content with how things are going at the parks, but there are just obviously aren't that many people there and they're all spending less money. Uh, yes. Um, tough times, but uh, hopefully, hopefully we all get through this uh, but yeah we're gonna we're gonna nip this in the bud and head off maybe try and get into one of these london resort uh, webinars that we can then report back on next week uh, when we will of course have another podcast for you in the meantime you can follow us on twitter at park rush podcast you can email us podcast at parkrush.com you can find every episode at parkrush.com or on your preferred podcasting app of choice uh, josh do you have anything to add before we leave uh no apart from that i'm looking forward to this park opening up at some point maybe yes uh we just won't be able, by the time it's finally open we won't actually be able to go on any of the rides because of our uh pre-existing heart conditions uh, yes given the fact that we will be 87 years old uh, <laughs> take it easy everybody uh we'll see you next week goodbye mm-hmm.